Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I hope that you guys are having a good start to your September, and happy Labor Day, by the way. I don't know where you are in the world, but here in Kentucky, it feels like fall, with the weather cooling down, pumpkin spice flavors coming out, and even though I love fall already, I'm trying to soak it in even more this year because it feels like a normal that I look forward to and has actually come with some consistency, which I don't have to tell you has been lacking this year. Anyway, I don't know what you're experiencing where you are, but I'm sending an email to my email list later today, and I'd love to hear from you what's going on where you are and how you're doing relationally. And if you're not yet on my email list, you can get on there by visiting bravemarriage.com quiz and taking that relationship quiz yourself. This month, I want to talk with you about responsibility. In particular, what responsibility looks like in healthy relationships. It's a topic that I don't think is fully understood or talked about enough, but it's so important, especially for us as Christians, if we truly want to model healthy, Christ-centered, spirit-led relationships. So let me explain a little bit about how I arrived here. For about a year now, I've been diving into marriage and gender roles and the relational theology surrounding various viewpoints, primarily because of this pattern I'd begun to see in my office of seeing some teachings or beliefs around marriage end up costing couples their personal integrity and happiness at best and their dignity at worst. And as I began to think about what are some of the teachings that end up devolving in Christian circles and having a negative impact on couples, I also began to follow the work of a few Christian counselors, professors, and psychologists I respect on various issues from sexual intimacy to destructive marriages. And so as I've been thinking about all of these things together, I've started to see a pattern that where there's a lack of understanding of what healthy responsibility looks like in relationships, there's a lack of individual health, happiness, and relational wholeness. And this seems like it would be intuitive, but for many of us, I don't think it is. I'll give you my own experience growing up. Like most things, it's not that I was ever taught this explicitly, but between the messages I picked up along the way, here's a loose summary of my former belief system regarding marriage, before entering marriage, and before entering grad school. As a Christian, my responsibility is to preserve and uphold the sanctity of marriage dogmatically at any cost, lest the mystery of Christ's love for his bride, the church, fail to be a witness to the world. Never mind the importance of individual ownership and relational safety. Redemption must always come through marriage once married. And as a married person, my responsibility is to sacrifice for my spouse, to treat him the way I hope to be treated, and to love my spouse more than myself. Never mind the importance of my own identity in Christ and the intimate mutuality meant to be shared between spouses just as Christ shares with his bride. And never mind that the greatest commandment first says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so again, these things were never explicitly taught to me. I think I picked a lot of them up in the relationship books I read early on. But I hope in offering this juxtaposition that you can trace my line of thinking here. 
that when misguided biblical principles become the hills we choose to die on, and we deem our ideologies as more important than the people Christ came to serve, then we've missed it somewhere. We've missed the character and heart of God and the best way to function relationally. And I think more often than not, this is what happens when any well-intended teaching gets twisted. When certain ideals are held up so much or get propped up so high that principles begin to take precedent over the good news of Jesus Christ, that's when easily impressionable minds hear that certain things in the Christian life are black and white, all or nothing, period. But as we get older and gain more life experience and mature, hopefully, we begin to realize that hardly anything in life is black and white, all or nothing. And yet, when there's not more comprehensive teaching or deeper discipleship offered, what we're left with, and I'll speak for myself, is a small little box of knowledge about how life and relationships work that was built not to grow with me throughout my lifespan, but built to contain basic teachings that laid a certain foundation for my faith and understanding of marriage and family. A foundation, by the way, which is critically important and developmentally appropriate up to a point, but is simply not big enough to contain the complexity of the human experience or the full breadth and depth of the way God loves and works. Paul talks about this through his letters. In 1 Peter 2.2, he says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In 1 Corinthians 13.11, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, thought like a child, and reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And the ways of childhood I'm referring to and that I'm seeing are these elementary notions of what it means to love and respect one's spouse, what it means to love your spouse as yourself, and in everything to do to others what you would have them do to you. Because see, when we're not healthy, whether spiritually, emotionally, or otherwise, the way we approach love and respect or service and reciprocity won't be healthy either. And that's where I think spending a month talking about responsibility could prove helpful. Now, before you tune out because you're already feeling the weight of responsibility bearing down on your marriage, what I'm hoping to help you live into is the exact opposite of that. What I'm hoping to help you see is the freedom found in knowing what you're responsible for and what you're not and what to do with that realization. So let's get into it. As I quoted in the last episode, Leslie Vernick, as well as doctors John and Henry Cloud have said, you are responsible to your spouse but not for your spouse. I would add, while you are responsible to your spouse and to your marriage, the only person in your marriage that you're actually responsible for is yourself. For some of you, this notion makes sense. I grew up hearing things from my mom like, don't worry about your sister, worry about yourself and how you chose to behave, right? So the principle was there, even if it was hard to implement sometimes, right? But for others, this notion is totally new. Maybe in your house growing up, you inadvertently learned that you were responsible for managing your mother's emotions or for keeping peace in the home or keeping your parents happy or together. Or you learned that acting a certain way would get you what you wanted. And if that was you, I want you to know that this episode may bend your brain a little bit. <laughs> you may experience some cognitive dissonance because 
The teaching will be foreign, but that's okay. That's how new ideas begin to take root, and that's where getting healthier starts sometimes. So I want to talk about three areas of your life that each of you is responsible for. Your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. First, you are responsible for your own thoughts. Your thoughts include your preferences, expectations, judgments, and your narratives. You don't fold the towels like that, you fold them like this. Why are you washing the dishes before putting them in the dishwasher? That's what the dishwasher is there for. How many times do I have to tell you that when your clothes come off, they go in the hamper? Similarly, you can spot your expectations by the questions you ask, the assumptions you make, and the shoulds you assert. Why were you late? Why won't you say anything? Why won't you just do what I ask? You should have known what I meant. If you cared about me at all, you would have done X, Y, or Z. And your judgments can be spotted in your criticism. When you hear yourself say things like, I would never do that to you. My friend's spouses never do that to them. And why can't you just get over yourself and do this for me? These are thoughts that are important to pay attention to because over time they form narratives, for better or worse, And these narratives inform whatever happens next relationally. But what I want to help you begin to see is that you have a choice in the matter. You can choose to keep thinking certain things if you want to. But you can also choose to counter the meaning you assign to those thoughts with thoughts about yourself and about the kind of person you want to be, regardless of whether or not your preferences and expectations are met. And you also have the choice to change your thoughts especially if they're untrue, and to question your thoughts if they're not producing fruit in your relationship. Let me use the towel folding example for simplicity's sake. Your thought is, the towels should be folded a certain way. Great, no problem. If that's your preference and you're the only one doing towels, this thought serves you just fine. But if you want your spouse to help you with the towels and your spouse has learned to fold differently, of course your spouse could say, Sure, I'll learn a different way because towel folding is no big deal. There are far more important things for us to spend our energy on in marriage. Your spouse could think and say that. But let's say that he or she doesn't. At that point, the choice is yours. You could choose to keep thinking, this is the way towels should be folded. Therefore, I'll take responsibility for my preference and do them myself. Or you could choose to let your spouse fold the towels how they want or have learned encounter whatever negative meaning you've attached to that. So instead of thinking, my spouse must not love or care for me, otherwise they'd change, you could think, I'm so lucky to have a spouse who helps me with the laundry. It's not like anyone sees our towel closet and we cycle through them so quickly anyway that it's just fine if the towels are folded different ways. I just love my spouse for helping. Or, You could choose to question your own thoughts and preferences by saying to yourself, maybe the fact that my spouse folds towels differently doesn't have anything to do with their feelings toward me. Or, if you can imagine this, maybe the towels don't have to be folded the way I've always done it. And I know towel folding may seem like a small, hardly relevant example, but the same thought options apply to whatever small issue you keep coming up against in your marriage. Furthermore, the same thought options apply to larger issues in your marriage that carry way more weight and meaning than something as simple as this is the way to fold towels, such as how you spend your money, 
the amount of house you buy, where you choose to live, and so forth. So start paying attention to the small, nagging thoughts you have and learn to make choices in those thoughts that lead to different outcomes relationally. Because if you can build reps in the small things, you'll be better prepared for the larger issues and better able to practice taking responsibility for your own thoughts. Because your thoughts determine your narratives, your narratives inform your feelings, and your feelings impact your behavior, creating either detrimental mental and emotional effects and dysfunctional patterns of relating, or healthy mental and emotional effects in life-giving ways of relating. Second, you are responsible for your own feelings. What I mean here is that you are responsible for acknowledging your own feelings, moving through your own emotions, and for taking care of yourself in the ways that you need to. To be clear, I am not saying that spouses aren't responsible to their partner's feelings in terms of listening, responding, and collaborating when possible. We'll address that in next week's episode. But what I am saying is that spouses aren't responsible for making their spouses feel better. And as long as you believe that's your husband or wife's job and that your spouse is responsible for your emotional state, then it is going to be a long, hard road for the two of you. Because guess what? No one can make you feel a certain way. You feel certain things because you're a human. Because sometimes in life you feel happy and other desirable emotions, and at other times when life doesn't go your way or when you don't get what you wanted or expected, you feel unhappy and other less desirable emotions. But as an adult, it's your job to learn how to move through these less desirable emotions. Because when you do, your emotional state will no longer rely on external factors, like your spouse's behavior, or your kids, or coworkers, or the world's behavior, which, as you probably already realize, isn't a very stable or peaceful way to move through your own life. But when you can acknowledge and sit with the fact that you're sad or disappointed or angry, even if it's because of something your spouse said or did or didn't say or do, then that's where you begin to find freedom. When you don't resist your own feelings or insist that someone else take responsibility for changing how you feel, that's when you gain your power, your love, and your self-control back. When you learn how to handle your own emotions, you can then evaluate your own thoughts and narratives and the meanings you're attaching to the situation at hand. And you can take care of yourself and move through your sadness, disappointment, or anger in healthy ways by praying or journaling through your thoughts and feelings or going for a run to release negative energy or spending time with friends if that's what you're needing. And when you take responsibility for your own feelings, the chances of you having a calm, constructive, collaborative conversation with your spouse about how you are feeling increases a hundredfold. But getting there is your job, not your spouse's. Galatians 6.5 says that while we're to share and shoulder each other's burdens, each person is still ultimately responsible for carrying his or her own load. We don't dump our emotional loads onto our spouses. None of us was created or designed to hold that which only Christ can. Instead, we're to take responsibility for ourselves, our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, while journeying through life not on our own but alongside others, like our spouses, whom God has blessed us with to share and shoulder our burdens, but not to take responsibility for them. Okay, and third... You are responsible for your own behavior. 
Now, I think this one is best understood by most of us, even if we still don't act like it at times. But your behavior doesn't just include your choice of action or inaction throughout the day, but it also includes your reactions to your spouse and your communication with your spouse. So let's say your spouse does something to upset you, and your thought is, I'm upset because my spouse didn't follow through on something he or she said they'd do. Okay, this would be an example of a time where you'd want to keep the thought. You wouldn't want to change it just to feel better and pretend like nothing happened. Instead, you'd want to acknowledge feeling upset, but from there, decide how you want to handle that or how you want to behave in the face of those thoughts and feelings. Maybe you want to calmly talk about it with your spouse. Maybe the thing that upset you has been a pattern for a while now, and you'd like to set an appropriate boundary so that you're not carrying more than your own load. Whatever you choose, as soon as you start to take responsibility for yourself, that's when your life, your choices, and your emotional state become yours. But what happens many times is that couples fail to recognize their own thoughts, meaning frames, feelings, and behaviors, and so they act in ways that are counterproductive to the health of themselves and subsequently their marriages. Because in trying to negotiate happiness or fairness or getting their needs met between them, they neglect an incredibly important part of having a healthy relationship, which is personal responsibility. Think about it this way. You could try to farm out responsibility for your thoughts, feelings, and reactions, but then your mental and emotional well-being would always be up to someone else. And I can't personally think of a more exasperating or energy-draining way to live. Because as long as you try to depend on someone other than yourself to take responsibility for your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, then you can pretty much guarantee that you're never going to be happy or at peace with yourself. But what I want you to know is that it doesn't have to be that way. You can make different choices for yourself, literally, right now, if you wanted to. I know that this is a lot to think about today, even though I've only scratched the surface of responsibility, but when it comes to you taking responsibility for yourself, in which area do you think you need the most growth? Do you need to work on spotting your own thoughts and attaching better meanings or making better choices from there? Do you need to work on letting yourself feel how you feel and coping with those feelings without depending on someone else to make you feel better? Or do you need to take more responsibility for your behavior, regardless of how your spouse or others behave? Your action step today is to really think through that question. And when you have an answer, I'd like to challenge you to take one step towards your own growth. Whether that's committing to a new thought, narrative, or way of handling your emotions, whether it's sharing your new awareness with a spouse or a friend, or whether it's reaching out for counseling to help you make some hard but much-needed changes. All right, guys, let me know what questions you have, and I'll be back next week to talk about what it means to be responsible to your spouse but not for your spouse. I pray you find some inner calm, joy, and peace today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond 
Love is just as fragile as it is strong.